It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Michelle Eugenti, Arizona State Senator, uh, joins me, mask mandates on kids, K-12, the science. The science says differently, but is that enough? Michelle, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. So science versus kids. I don't know how to put this because when you look at the CDC recommendations, when you talk to uh, doctors, as I do, when you talk to others, you know, various people, uh, our children are frankly being harmed more in not just medical, but other ways possible. Plus the fact that they're kids and kids just don't wear masks. Wow, well, that's exactly right. And it feels like parents and kids are being held hostage. So I look at these mask mandates for our our children as a way to continue um, to have control over them. I think that the science uh, tells you that you don't need masks. So science and kids are actually on the same side in, in terms of the mask mandate. Yet we don't have uh, school districts removing their mask mandates. And if we do, it's one or two school districts, but it's certainly not the vast majority of them. So here in Arizona, our governor uh, lifted the executive order that mandated our children uh, wear masks in school. He lifted that. But practically, it made no difference for our school-age children because he allowed, our governor allowed, school districts to ultimately be the arbiter and make that choice. So you've got the vast, vast majority of school districts still implementing their own mask mandates. It's punitive. It's uh, not only, again, not in line with science, uh, but the the long-term ramifications and the ramifications on health, their mental health, uh, psychological health um, is, is, is just being tremendously hurt um, by the imposition uh, of the mask mandate for no real reason, because like you pointed out uh, in your opening, the science says that it, the kids are relatively safe and it's unnecessary and there's other ways to mitigate COVID-19. Let's, uh, I mean, I hate to sometimes look at it in such a harsh manner, but, you know, life is real and we have to live there. You say there are some districts, some school boards making decisions on the mass mandate to allow or to not allow. Sad as it may be, does this have to play out for people to see the difference? And at the same time, children are losing time. They're losing educational track time, uh, you know, development. But is there another path for this, given that school boards, teachers, unions, various political elements uh, come into play? Well, I think in a in a competitive world, you could say that, look, you've got a school district that has chosen to mandate the masks. Parents, if you don't like that, go somewhere else. But it's not that simple. It's not that it's not that easy. That's you know, that, that works when you're talking about you don't like this coffee shop, go to the one on the other corner. I mean, with, but when you're talking about um, education, which is paid for by taxpayer dollars, 
you know, it's not that simple to just say this school district has decided to do this, go somewhere else when, yes, there's school choice, but not to the same degree um, as there's choice in other commercial areas. And, and parents have a right because they pay for these schools, you know, to push back and say, I understand you're making this decision, but justify this decision. Many of these school boards refuse to, you know, address this issue in meetings. They go on and on and on with, you know, parent surveys that come back overwhelmingly that the, that the parents want um, these masks off, yet they, they put roadblock and roadblock in front of the parents, making it very, very difficult um, to effectuate any change at the school board level. I personally uh, would have wanted to see the governor, the governor preempt the school boards. I don't think they've earned the right to have this decision because they have been very reluctant to even get kids back in the classroom for in-person education. So I think that the governor should have preempted the school boards say, you can't mandate it. If the governor really wants to own this issue, you should say, school boards, you can't mandate masks. This is no longer a requirement. It's an option. We'll certainly respect individuals who choose to wear it. That's not a problem, but you can't mandate it. And that would have been a far more powerful thing to do. It would have shown leadership, and I think you would have seen tens of thousands of parents rally around that decision because nobody's against it. What they're against is the mandate. We need to go back to choice. Well, does there, does the governor have support in the case of Arizona uh, within the Constitution, the Attorney General's office? Uh, you know, I've been dealing publicly on air with an issue in Virginia where there are lawsuits against the Commonwealth. So, in the state of Arizona, uh, is there is there an avenue there under your state's constitution for the governor to override the school districts on the mass mandate? I'm not sure they had this authority to begin with. So he, he's given it to them explicitly. Uh, but if there was any kind of doubt, it's so important that you get these masks off of our kids that you could have, while you addressed it in an executive order, you could have been backing that up with legislation. I mean, the legislature stands, the Arizona legislature stands ready to address this. We already passed a couple of weeks ago a bill um, that prohibits municipalities and political subdivisions from mandating that businesses within their community require masks. So the legislature is there to support masks as an option, but to prohibit municipalities or anyone, any other government, governmental entity from mandating it. So you've got that, you've got that willpower at the legislature. He should be implementing this with the executive order and backing it up with legislation. Because like, like we kind of touched on earlier uh, in the interview, you have to weigh the benefits, you know, with the non-benefits and with a lot of the very real unintended consequences that have come from this year-long mask mandate. In addition to the kids just being able to get back into in-person instruction, that was a huge struggle that, you know, the kids have been out of school. They just recently, as of a month or two ago, were allowed back fully to in-person instruction. You know, there's, they're already separated in the classroom. My little girl sits behind plexiglass in fourth grade. So 
but she's got plexiglass dividers with a mask, with the desks far apart. It's psychologically bizarre to go to school right now. Yeah, I mean, the effects are probably never going to be fully determined. I want to go to another issue, and uh, that is what's going on in Maricopa County. Now, you sit on the House Elections Committee, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you're still the chairman of the House Elections Committee in Arizona. Uh, The back and forth on Friday with a judge ordering a pause, and then, of course, the pause lifted. Uh, A lot of reporting on this, but do you have an update for us uh, on the recount in Arizona? And where do you stand on the recount? Right. So that is happening as as we speak. Um, And you're right to note that uh, late last week, Friday, there was a little um, back and forth, uh, in the, in the court system, the Democrat party had sued to stop it, say that said that, that we were violating some of the provisions from our original order that we got from the judge saying that we could pursue and proceed with the audit. They needed to post a bond in order to pause the audit of a million dollars. They chose not to post that bond. So we were able to continue. We are, doing just that right now. Um, You know, this is going to come back to how professionally it can be run. This audit is extremely important for the voting public, not only really in Maricopa County or Arizona, but really across the country as people are watching to see how this plays out. So there's a lot of uh, people involved. And I'm still confident that we'll be able to pull it off, but it's really coming down to how our Senate president plans on managing this audit. It has to be professional. Um, You have to take control of all of the different vendors, and you're just going to have to block out the media right now and the Democrats who are looking to taint the process. And that's what they're doing. Don't, Don't forget, there isn't a step that the Arizona Senate could make that the Democrats would ever say. So knowing that you just got to tune them out, move forward, you know, make sure that you're involved, make sure you don't have too many liaisons between yourself um, and the vendors and then expeditiously move forward with this, finalize it, get the results and release it to the public so that we can take it from there. Because depending on what the results say or depending on what comes out of the audit, we'll know what we need to do in terms of next steps. All right. Uh, One other issue that is certainly big in Arizona and may well set a precedent for the nation is uh, the argument before the Supreme Court by your attorney general, Mark Burnovich, on ballot harvesting. Uh, that argument is over. We're, of course, waiting on the Supreme Court decision. Do you support the efforts of your state attorney general to deal with the ballot harvesting issue in Arizona? Oh, well, wholeheartedly, because I'm the sponsor of that bill in 2016. I sponsored the bill to ban harvest, uh, ballot harvesting in Arizona because on its face, it's obvious it's a bad practice that yields very little benefit and just opens up our system uh, for the potential of things to go wrong, whether it be accidental or more nefarious, fraud, undue influence, or just forgetfulness and incompetency. You don't want third party 
coming in to people's homes or going to people's homes and collecting their ballots and promising to turn them in. That's just, it's right for, for a lot of things to go wrong in an, in, in an election when, you know, people are engaged and the outcome's important. Why, why risk it, right? There's a lot of ways um, to vote. You don't need to facilitate individual ballots being turned in um, for other people. So I completely 100% support our AG's efforts. I have been part of this for many years now, five plus years. I listen to the oral arguments and I'm very anxious to see what comes of it. Because again, it will, I think it will be set a precedent for other states. Um, if we, if we win and it's upheld, you know, you'll, I think you're going to have a lot of states start to question their practices um, when it comes to ballot harvesting and whether they want to be more aggressive in outlawing it or regulating it. Um, hopefully we don't lose. I feel like we're in a good spot. Remember, we won in district court and then we won in the Ninth Circuit appellate court. We lost when they appealed to the Embank, the larger panel at the Ninth Circuit, then we appealed, and like you said, it's now at the Supreme Court. So there's a lot writing on this decision, and we'll see what happens. It's something I think it's uh, maybe early summertime we can look for a decision. All right, let's uh, take it to and I put my thanks for one, staying a few extra minutes. There are a couple of issues tied to this that you're involved in, and, of course, this recount uh, – along with other issues in the ballot harvesting before the Supreme Court is in Arizona, could set the stage from Arizona for the nation. A uh, back and forth that played out between you and another Republican, Kelly Townsend, and, you know, cleaning up the voter rolls is a big issue in this country nationwide. But how's the effort going to clean up Arizona's permanent early voter list and is that still sitting as reported in legislative limbo it is still in legislative limbo as you mentioned uh kelly townsend killed the bill uh early or late last week uh for a reason that i found very difficult to understand she had voted for it a couple of times already this session i think to me, the act of voting against it seemed personal. Um, she said otherwise, but like I said, she's already voted on this bill two times prior to this last vote. So it is, I, I did a procedural motion to bring it up for reconsideration, hopefully with the opportunity of passing it, but really she'll have to decide if she wants to pass it or, or kill it. Uh, but I think what this issue is really more emblematic of is the lack of leadership right now we have in the Arizona State Senate when it comes to a direction for these election bills. I, this is one election bill that I have. I have a few more in the pipeline. There are other members who have election uh, pieces of legislation, but there's been very little direction from uh, Senate leadership on how to handle it, how the timing of moving this forward. You know, this bill to clean up our voting rolls has died twice, was killed twice in the Senate chamber. And again, that just speaks to a lack of control, a lack of interest. And as someone has done election policy for better part of seven years now, it's disheartening because for me, the, the you know, the, the 
Our democracy is only as strong as our elections. You've got to start there. That's the baseline. We have to have elections that are efficient, accountable, people want to participate in, people trust. I mean, that's the baseline. And then you build your democracy on top of that, and people then believe in it because they believe in the process that was that it's built on. So I, I love election policy. We talked about ballot harvesting. I mean, we could talk about so much stuff. Right now we're talking about uh, – we talked about the audit – and, uh, you know, we're talking about this particular piece of legislation that just died, which is cleaning up our voter rolls. They're all critical to making sure elections are run well and people trust them. They've got to trust them. They can people can live not having their candidate pass. Right. That happens. Candidates lose. They win. That happens. But they have to feel that that outcome is one that they trust because the process had integrity. And it's, I, I can't tell you how disappointed I've been with the management of our um, most critical issue, which has been election integrity. I mean, I am on the phone, I'm emailing, I'm in meetings, I'm doing interviews, I'm texting, I'm talking to neighbors, people at the grocery store all the time. And it's always, maybe not always, I mean, 95% of the time, it's about election-related issues. That's how important it is to our voting public. Well, we are certainly, uh, many of us, and myself included, watching what happens in Arizona. I, I hope that uh, soon we can get past this when it comes to this last uh, issue we're discussing with cleaning up the voter rolls. Uh, regardless of the number of people on it or not on it, there needs to be a cleanup. And uh, SB 1485, which is what we're talking about in Arizona. I hope listeners will follow through and look at it and see what's there. Thank you very much for joining me, Michelle. Uh, we'll be following this closely, so we'll probably be talking again soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Michelle Ugenti, Arizona State uh, Legislator, State Senator, 866-95-PATRIOT, 957-2874. There's a lot on our plate. You hear it there. Just, you know, we, we started with the mass mandates on kids, of course, followed by other ongoing issues. State legislators are going to remain a big focus. Whether they're doing the right thing, the wrong thing, or not doing anything, we're going to watch them very, very closely. 866-95-PATRIOT on Twitter, Facebook, Cloud Up, Parley. You get the idea, Gab. What else am I on? Instagram. I mentioned Facebook. I don't know, you get the idea. On social media, David Webb Show. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.